Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying, I'm kind of glad I got my, my one thing out of the way. Hopefully I don't fall this way or fall that way, but um, I wanted to start this morning by saying that people do strange things. There is actually a man since 1972 who has eaten over 23,000 Big Macs, and he's actually still alive. And then you have a man who loves Mars bars. These people are right after my own heart. Mars bars, he has, it says for 17 years he's had eaten nothing but Mars bars. And he's okay. People do strange and bizarre things. Do you know that it's illegal in Texas to graffiti a cow? Who's graffitiing the cows in Texas? I'm not really sure. You know, when we look for direction in our lives... A lot of people will look to the paper. I grew up where uh, my parents gave me an album, and I was born in January, and I was Aquarius, and the album actually was Aquarius, and I listened to it, and I was supposed to find my direction for my life through the stars. Close, but not exactly right. God made the stars, but I shouldn't be looking at them for my direction. So last week, we looked at what do you believe. This week, we're going to look at what do you do. So now that you believe, or you've believed your whole life, but don't you like direction? Don't you want to know, okay, what is it now as a Christian that I need to be doing in my life for the Lord? What is it? And we're going to look at the story again. We're looking at Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And that whole story that goes into it, and we looked at what do you believe? Well, we have to believe that you're ill and you're sick physically, but more importantly, you're ill and you're sick spiritually. That's it. That's what it's about. That's what's been speaking about this morning. We have a world of sick, ill, spiritually ill people. And secondly, you need to believe that even if you don't understand what God is doing in your life, you're like, what are you doing? You need to trust in him. You need to believe that he is doing the right thing in your life, even if you're like, Lord, I would not do that. I would not do that to me, but you're doing it to me, but you must be doing it for a reason, and you must be doing it out of complete and absolute, pure, holy, righteous love. Because there's no other God. God can only work in that way. And then thirdly, we learn that you must believe. Look, don't leave here this morning until you make it right with God, that you believe that He is the resurrection and the life. You can kid yourself all you want. He is God. He's in control of your soul, and nobody else is. Don't wait to the end of your life till it's too late. Trust in Him. Ask Him into your heart. And if you're a believer and you're doubting, that's fine. I said last week, I'd rather have a person to say, Mark, I don't believe. Well, amen, because now I know how I can minister to you. But if you walk around and you just say, you know what? I don't believe, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to live my life like I'm a believer. How sad is that? So those are the three things we looked at. We also looked at John wrote the book of John, chapter 11, and um, chapter 20 basically says that he wrote the book that you would believe, that we would all believe that Jesus is the Christ. So get that straight in your life. It might sound harsh to say it that way, but you need to get that straight in your life. And once you get that straight in your life, then what do you do? What am I going to do now? How is God directing me? And all the things that happened in my life that I don't know how to handle, how do I handle that? But you don't handle it alone. You handle it with God. You handle it together with Him. 
So I'm going to read the scripture this morning, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you what I think is three quick points. But when I went through it the first time, it wasn't so quick. So feel free to get up and stretch if you want. But let me pray after I read the scripture. So go to the book of John. Go to chapter 11. Last week we covered verse 1 all the way to verse 25. So I'm going to start in verse 25. Follow along with me in reading God's Word. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank, the, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound in linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Heavenly Father, may we see your glory. May we see your work here. May we see your grace and your mercy. But more than that, may we see your love. We are nothing without love. We are nothing without your love. So help us this morning, Lord, to hear your word and not to leave this place unchanged in your grace and your mercy and your love. Amen. So we see some things here. And when you read the Bible, I hope what you do is you ask God to show you his glory, to show you 
wonderful things. When you open the Bible, just say, Lord, show me the things that I can't see. So what we'll go over this morning is a couple of things. But if you look yourself, you'll probably find a hundred. But just a couple. One, weeping and being anger, having a righteous anger over sin. You see, Mary is weeping. She's sad. She's mourning over the death of Lazarus that he is dead and he's not coming back as far as she understands. He's been dead four days. The Jewish people believe that the spirit of a person when he died hovered over the body and it hung around for three days hoping to go back and the person would come back to life. But if it didn't happen, it would depart. He's been there four days. He's dead. And Jesus wanted that to happen so that we would believe. The other thing that's interesting here is that there's a lot of people weeping. And I found out that not everyone is weeping is sincere. Some of them are actually paid to weep back then. I would not do very well with that. They probably would pay me and ask for the money back because I don't know if I could do that. And I'm not trying to make light of it, but there are a lot of people here. There's a lot of people weeping with Mary and with Martha. The other thing we see here is that Jesus weeps. Your God weeps with you. He's not weeping in hopelessness. He is weeping in compassion. Where Mary and Martha are weeping and they are bewildered and they don't understand what's happening, but Jesus is crying with them. When you have your trouble in your life, and I know you have trouble, and I always say as I look out and there are some troubles that you have that I know I would not be able to handle. Uh, Jesus is weeping with you. He is with you. Don't feel abandoned by God because he has not abandoned you. But the other thing we see here is it says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. There's a lot of Greek terms here, but basically what it means is that he is agitated and railing back like a horse that's snorting. He is angry, a righteous anger, a justifiable anger over what sin has done to Lazarus, what death has done to his creation, that he would have lived forever. So he's upset, and he's angry, and that's okay. I had lunch with a friend of mine this week, and he said, do you really think God was angry? Yes, I really think God was angry over sin. That's okay. Have you ever been angry over sin? Have you ever been like, I can't stand what you've done to my mind, my home, my family, my job, everything that you're angry over it i watched a movie called the war room it was so uncomfortable for me because there's a woman in there actually found out she's the daughter in real life of the pastor i love to listen to and she's being discipled by a woman who had a really rough life but learned that she needed to pray watch this movie it's called the war room and she creates a room that she prays for people and she asks for a person to come into her life that she could pray for her. And she gets this woman. God gives it to her as a gift. Here you go. And she starts to disciple her. Well, this young woman's life is a mess. Her husband is just about to cheat on her. He's stealing from work. Their marriage is a mess. But from the outside, they get the most beautiful house, the best cars, the best thing in life that they think that they have. And she's praying in her war room. And on the wall, she sees these verses that she's written down, and she is crying in tears. And these are the verses. 
The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from evil, from the evil one. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And this is what she says. This is what she says. I don't know where you are, devil, but I know you can hear me. You have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house, and that means there is no place for you here anymore. So take your lies and your schemes and your accusations and get out in Jesus' name. You can't have my marriage, you can't have my daughter, and you can't have my man. This house is under new management, and that means you are out. And another thing, I'm so sick of you stealing my joy. But that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends, my job, it doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. In case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong. When I listened to that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so uncomfortable. And I just read it to all of you. But you get the point. Yes, it's a movie. Yes, it's dramatic. But you've got to have anger for what the devil is doing in the lives of the people around you. Do you see it? You can't miss it. If you're a believer in Christ, you cannot miss what he's trying to do. He does not want you to love your spouse. He doesn't want you to get up in the morning and read your Bible. He doesn't want you to pray for the people at work. He doesn't want you to have forgiveness in in your heart for people who have hurt you beyond what I can think. He doesn't want you to do these things. He doesn't want you to stop drinking or taking drugs. He doesn't want you to stop looking at TV. The worst thing you could do for him is to throw your TV in the garbage. Do you ever get angry over these things? And to understand that your fight and my fight and the things that Nick prayed about and that were said this morning, listen to this, it says, Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord. That's our family's verse. Be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of His might, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The best thing that you could do is pray. That lady I read, she wasn't praying to the devil. She was angry and yelling at him. But we need to pray to our God. And when you pray and you have the flaming arrows of Satan coming at you, You could always claim, and you should claim, in Jesus' name, no. I struggle every day as a believer. I know my sin. The Holy Spirit shows it to me, and I can't stand it. And the things that come into my head say, in Jesus' name, no. Don't ever stop praying and being angry over sin. 
The next thing we see out of the passage is an amazing thing. Jesus says, remove the stone. Simple request, but not really. That broke would break every rabbinical lore. And removing a stone on a dead person, they, they actually couldn't do that according to their law. But that's not Martha's objection. Martha objects to him. You know what she says? Lord, he's going to stink. He has been there for four days. The odor is going to be unbearable. And Martha hears it from Jesus again. Martha, did I not tell you? Do you not remember that I said, if you would just believe, you would see my glory? Believe. Remove the stone. And they removed the stone. I don't know what you have in your life or what stones Jesus is asking you to move. But if you are his child and you are a believer, he is asking you to remove the stone. And what is that for you? It's different than what it is for me. Is it going back to someone that you have just said it's a dead relationship, but you know you need to go back, and you know whether they forgive you or not, you need to say to them, I'm sorry for my part? Is that what you need to do? When I first became a believer, God was saying to me, Mark, I got some things I want you to do. Oh, darn. I don't really want to do them. Because I was a mess. I was a mess. Failing out of school. Stealing. I was a thief. But God said, Mark, I want you to do these things. Because it's good for you. So I went back to my mom. And I said, Mom, remember that gift I gave you? That really nice jewelry thing that I made for you? The thing I made in shop class? Well, you know what, Mom? That's not mine. I stole that. It's somebody else's. And my beautiful, amazing mom didn't bat an eyelash. But God didn't really have me do that for my mom. He really had me do that for me. Cleaning me out. Getting rid of all the sin. Removing the stone. Are there stones that you need to remove and to go back to? That you don't want to go because it stinks and the odor is unbearable. I'm not going there, you say. Trust me. I know God will not let it go undone. He will continually, through the Holy Spirit, ask you to do it. And I hope you listen. One last thing I can remember. You think, oh wow, great. That was before he was a Christian. Probably a leader here. Probably 15 years ago. I was at work and I could feel them pushing me out. Pushing me out and not wanting me where I was. I didn't like that. So I got a call from somebody and said, hey, how about you come work for me? And I said, great. Because they really don't like me here anymore, so I'll go with you. I did one of the stupidest things I've ever done in business. It's not illegal. I didn't steal anything. I'll never go to jail for it, but it was unprofessional. 
I literally walked back into the bank that I worked for and brought one of my customers, went up to the teller, and he withdrew $250,000, and we both walked out. Now, I did this in front of my staff. I did it in front of everybody there that I worked with and served with for years. I burnt every bridge I could ever burn. It didn't end there, though. Years went by. I felt bad about it. You ever feel bad about something you do? And you just go to sleep, and then you wake up again, and you go to sleep, and wake up again. Oh, that's gone. Thank goodness that's gone. Whew. I don't have to worry about that. Well, about eight years later, the manager, my manager at the time, I knew he was mad because he actually came into the bank looking for me, and thank goodness I was not there. I see him in a meeting, and I walk up to him, and I said, hey, Steve, can I talk to you? And he didn't say no, but he didn't say yes, and he kept on walking. So literally, I wound up walking with him down the hallway, and he didn't really give me the time of day. And I said, look, I just have to tell you, that was dumb, and that was stupid. And I'm thinking, is he going to remember? Oh, he remembered. He remembered. And I said, I'm really, really sorry. And I believe I said something to the fact, I hope you can forgive me. And he said, Mark, if I had a dollar for every dumb, stupid thing I did, I'd be a rich man. But he didn't stop. He didn't really give me the time, and he just kept walking. And I do see him from time to time, and we wave to each other. But is God asking you to go back and remove the stones and to do some things that you really, really don't want to do? That's between you and God. The last thing that we need to talk about is look at Mary. Look at Mary. Mary, in the beginning of the chapter, says she is Lazarus' sister who broke open the perfume. That is something, if you don't understand, you, don't, you wouldn't do back then. You, as a woman, you wouldn't take down your hair. You'd be in the kitchen with Martha serving. You wouldn't be out at the table with all these people. There's no way. And she takes down her hair, that is a woman's glory, and she takes her glory and wipes the feet of Jesus with this perfume. Do you know this perfume, and we've all heard it said before, was about a year's wage? But did you also know it was probably Mary's dowry? This is her future. This is her life. This is everything she has, and she's saying, Lord, I don't care. I'm giving you my whole life, everything. Regardless, I don't care if Judas is making a face at me. I don't care if Simeon or Simon is mad. I don't care. I am yours. You are mine, and I am giving you everything, my all. And Jesus says, that's what I want from you. Think of the things in the Bible, the worship that you, we've all heard over the years. Think of Paul and Silas. If you're truly going to worship God, if you're truly going to do it, it's going to cost you something. It will, because you are worshiping Jesus Christ in a world who hates him. And when you truly worship him, it's going to cost. We've all heard of family members who kind of look at you strangely, right? Well, you believe in Jesus. You're one of those Jesus freaks. That's part of it. But it's going to cost you. Think of Abraham listening to God and actually raising the knife to take his one and only son. That was him worshiping God. 
Think of other things in the Bible, but the most important worship is not Mary, it's not Paul and Silas, it's Jesus going to the cross and obeying his Father. That is the ultimate worship. Think of the widow, the widow's might. She goes and gives all that she has. She has nothing else. It may have been small, but because she didn't have anything, Jesus said she gave more than all those people walking around who looked wonderful, who had everything, and gave their gold. She gave everything. It's going to cost. It just will. And worship. Listen to Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is great. He's a great God and a great King above all gods. So we need to worship Him. Now as we close, as I did last week, I would just ask that you would make yourself right with God if you're not. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, I am right with God. Well, amen. But maybe you're sitting here and you say, you know what? I'm really not. I'm really not. Whether you're a believer or a person who's listening to me this morning and saying, that guy is crazy. And that's okay, because I am a little bit. So let's pray and take seriously the Word of God. Let's take seriously what he says. That we would weep over and get angry over sin. You don't take it anymore, but you can't do that on your own. When you get angry, do it in the power of God, not in your power. So the world will see that God is the one who is really angry with sin. And that what he does with sin is grace and mercy and compassion and love. Not fighting back. Let's pray. Father, help us to weep and be angry over sin. Help us to remove the stones that you want us to remove. Help us, Lord, to worship you that the world could see. So, Father, this morning, if there's anyone here who is a believer and is really, really, really struggling with making a commitment, making a commitment to live their lives wholly for you, to be angry and turn from their sin, to obey you and to remove some of those stones, remove the stone and go deep inside and to do the things you want them to do, and to worship you and not caring what anybody else would think. And Father, for people who really don't, have never trusted in you, I pray that you would give them the ability to see their sin. Because unless they see their sin, they can't turn away from it. Father, if they're blind, how are they going to know? So show them, Lord, I pray, their sin and may they turn from it. And if you are an unbeliever this morning and you really want to trust in God, whether you're five years old or you're 88 years old, maybe you would say something like, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I need you. 
I see my sin. Thank you for showing it to me, and I am turning from it now. Help me, Lord, to be angry and to weep over my sin. Help me to obey you. Obey my God, my Lord, my Savior, my Master, the one who died on the cross for me and rose again, and that you are alive, and you have a better plan for me than the world would ever have. Come into my life and change me forever. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen.